Hey everybody, I hope you had a fantastic Christmas. I got thinking about Christmases and I got thinking back to a Christmas tradition that I had from my uh, traditional church background. And that was as, as families in our parish, we did not put up the Christmas tree until Christmas Eve, okay? So the tree went up on Christmas Eve. Kids were asleep. When I woke up as a kid on Christmas morning, it's the first time I'd seen the tree. The gifts were all there. It was amazing. And then we kept the tree up until January 6th, which was the 12th day of Christmas. And then we took all of our real trees, because not many had artificial trees. We took our real trees to the church property and everybody hauled their, church, uh, their trees over there and threw them into a big pile. And then we had an enormous bonfire. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Not normal at all, okay? Now, there are probably a hundred or a thousand reasons why you should not do that uh, way of celebrating Christmas and the bonfire and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you, it was pretty amazing, all right? In my opinion, sometimes normal is overrated. As somebody said, normal is just a setting on a clothes dryer. You know, why do you want normal? And throughout the past, you know, couple of years, you hear a lot of people say, you know, I just wish things were back to normal. And that is completely and totally understandable. And, you know, that would be good. We, we would like that. But what I have encouraged people to do and what I have encouraged myself to do and our church team here, I said, you know, let's, let's not think about going back to normal. Instead, let's think about going forward to amazing. Why go back to normal when you can go forward to amazing? So I'd like to talk to you about that today. Normal is, is overrated. I mean, normal is drive-through tacos. Amazing is authentic Mexican tacos. Normal is using a rear view mirror. Amazing is the backup cameras and all that other incredible technology. Normal is, if you've ever used Rain-X on your windshield to kind of repel water, there's a new product called Aquapel, which is like Rain-X, only 20 times better. Normal was my eyesight. Actually, it was bad. When I was growing up as a kid, I, I, I figured out when I was about third grade, I, I needed glasses. And so I was accustomed to not being able to see all that well. But then I went to the optometrist and got a new pair of glasses and I put them on right before third grade began. And suddenly I had entered a new amazing world. It was not the same anymore. And I would never go back. I wear contact lenses to this day. I don't want to go back to normal. I love being able to see in a whole completely new way. So that's what I want to encourage you today. And I want to talk about 2022. I want to talk about the year ahead of us. And I want to talk about going forward to amazing. On, on this Sunday after or Saturday after Christmas, I'd just like to talk to you about what that looks like. Let's go to a passage in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is no longer a baby, he's all grown up, but he is starting his public ministry. And I want to talk to you about how, here's the first principle I'll give to you today, is that Jesus kickstarts the move from normal to amazing by his presence and his word. And I hope you'll capture some of this in your own heart today. So Jesus is starting his public ministry, and in Luke chapter 5, you can go there in your Bible or follow along here, 
um, the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. To hear the word of God from his lips. He was standing by Lake Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. So in every possible way of thinking about this, it was like the total ordinary day. Totally normal, right? I mean, they've been doing this for centuries this way. But something was about to happen that no one could have ever expected. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. So he did. And then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. This is where Jesus begins to nudge slowly from normal to amazing. An ordinary day with an ordinary bunch of people. And I'm not really into fishing, but a lot of people back then were, and especially around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I've never really got into fishing. I, 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 I've gone a few times. I've had some, a couple of amazing trips in Canada, but otherwise it's kind of just boring to me. Somebody here in the church uh, uh, gathering, uh, uh, Valley Church, they said, hey, we would love to uh, take you ice fishing. And I said, ice fishing, wow, that sounds horrible. That combines two things that I really, really hate. The boredom of fishing with the discomfort of freezing cold. Why would I want to do that? But a lot of people are into fishing and, you know, it's kind of a normal thing, you know, to be into fishing. And they were, they were getting ready to do some fishing. They'd been fishing, actually. And, but now something changes. It goes from fishing to teaching to talking about life. And what I'm learning here already in this passage is when we're ready to learn, and look at here, it says they were pressing in on Jesus. They were gathering close to him. Question, 2022, are you going to press in on Jesus to hear what he has to say? Are you going to get close to him in 2022 to really hear what he has to say to you? Are you going to keep a, a safe, comfortable distance? Maybe look back to your life and say, how's my distance been with Jesus this year? Have I been close or maybe not? If we're ready to learn and we're pressing in, he's ready to teach. I can just feel the atmosphere. The crowd's there. It would have been great to be there. Gigantic group. And uh, there were like, uh, Josephus tells us that there were hundreds of boats around the Sea of Galilee at this time. And there might have been 300, 400 boats all gathered around. And so there's a huge crowd there. And Jesus was eager to feed this hungry crowd. And they wanted more than fish. An otherwise normal day became amazing because Jesus was there and they were listening to Jesus. And I want to just pause for a moment and just celebrate this. For over 30 years, God has taken ordinary people like me and like you here at our church. And he has empowered us. And he has begun that move and that push from normal to amazing by his presence, by drawing near to him and by hearing his word. That's where it begins. You know, all of us learn from somebody. Dallas Willard is an incredible author, teacher about discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus. And he asked this question of all of us. And the question is simple is, who is your teacher? Who is it that you are a disciple of? He writes it this way. He says, who teaches you? Whose disciple are you? Honestly, one thing is sure, you are somebody's disciple. You learned how to live from somebody else. 
There are no exceptions to this rule, for human beings are just the kind of creatures that have to learn and keep learning from others how to live. It's hard to come to terms, realistic terms with all this. Today, especially in Western, Western cultures, we prefer to think that we are our own persons, that we kind of come to our own conclusions about things. But the truth is that we all learn from somebody. And he goes on to write, he says, probably you are a disciple of several somebodies. And it is very likely that they shaped you in ways that are far from what is best for you. You are quite certainly, as I am, he says, the student of a few crucial people, living and dead, who have been there in crucial times and periods to form your standard responses in thought and feelings and actions. Thankfully, the process is an ongoing one and to some extent self-correcting. We learn new stuff as we go. Originally, of course, we are the disciples of our parents or other family members who are most closely related to us. And oftentimes that's very good. In some cases, it's not as good. Then we are disciples of our teachers, then of our playmates and our peers, one of the most potent of discipling relationships, and then perhaps again of our teachers. And then he says these last teachers often include some very glamorous and powerful people. They may indeed be teachers, instructors of some types, as in the armed services or academic professors, but they also may include public figures of various kinds, artists, musicians, writers, professionals, social media, bloggers. Nearly always they convey, convey to us a strong impression of what life is all about or what it's supposed to be all about. And he writes these powerful words. It is one of the major transitions of life to recognize who has taught us, mastered us, and then to evaluate the results in us of their teaching. This is a harrowing task, and sometimes we just can't face it. But it can also open the door to choose other masters, other teachers, better masters, and one master and teacher above them all. Can I say to you, in 2022, one of the most important things that you can do to move from normal to amazing is to press in to Jesus and to hear the Lord, the master, the teacher of all in fresh new ways and to be willing to be shaped and molded by him in perhaps a very different way then you may have been discipled by your culture, by the people around you, and willing to learn and listen to him in a brand new, fresh way. First, you might want to start with, do you want to be forgiven? To become a part of God's forever family? Do you want to have the Spirit of God to empower you and guide you every single day? Do you want to have the promise of everlasting life? Then the first step is to trust in Jesus, who died the Lord of all who died in our place for our sins and who rose from the grave to give us life. That's where you start. But for many of us who've made that step of faith, it goes further than that. I'd love to go from normal to amazing and say, well, then I need to ask us, are we willing to learn from Jesus what he wants to teach you and me about the kingdom of God? He was teaching them uh, about the kingdom in our lives, in our values, in our character, about our relationships with other people about our families, about our marriages? Are you willing to learn from Jesus about parenting, about finances, about 
leisure time, about your thought life, about your integrity, about your hopes, your fears, your failures, your dreams? Are you willing to learn from Jesus? That's the first step to nudge you from normal toward amazing by drawing near to him and listening to his word. The second principle I want to give to you today is Jesus says to us, trust me in the normal for the amazing. Trust me in the normal, everyday, ordinary matters of your life for me to do amazing things. And here's where we pick up. The story gets real interesting here, guys. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, and that's what the teacher does. He talks, he gives messages, he gives, uh, you know, talks about the Bible and so forth. And that's what he did. He said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for catch. Now Jesus wades into different waters. Now he's going to teach Simon Peter about fishing. (laughs) What? I mean, he's not a fisherman, he's a rabbi. What's he doing teaching about fishing? What does he know about fishing? Verse 5. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Jesus is about to reveal his greatness in normal life. Because up to this point, I think Simon Peter and a lot of other people had kind of like, he's a rabbi, he understands Bible stuff and Bible world and that kind of thing. But does he really understand my everyday life? And now he's going to press into just the most ordinary thing Peter knew about, and that's fishing. Because he was a professional fisherman. And Peter's pretty sure he knows how to do this. The scene is the Sea of Galilee. And it seems to come out of nowhere. Like, what, what are you talking about? Pushing the boat out in deeper water and teaching me about fishing. And Peter's response is like, what? Every fisherman, Master, we've worked hard all night long. Every fisherman knows night is much better for fishing in the Sea of Galilee. I know what I'm doing here. He, he leans into his own self-sufficiency and his background and who's taught him, right? He probably learned it from his dad and from his grandfather before him. And his feeling is, and my feeling if I'm Peter is, this is a total waste of time. What are you doing, man? I mean, why, why are you telling me to do this? Uh, everybody knows not anything is going to happen because we've worked hard and we're fishermen and we know better and nothing's going to happen. And the fish that you think are there, they're not there. We already know. Tony Evans has some great words on this. He says, a lot of us are vulnerable to the same sort of attitude that Peter had here. We don't want anyone telling us how to do our lives or our jobs or run our families. We don't want to be stripped of our sense of, we know, self-sufficiency. But that's the price of following Jesus. Jesus requires some brokenness on our part. And Peter was about to be relieved of his self-sufficiency in a couple of areas, in his profession and then in his personal life. There's this amazing moment when we learn that Jesus actually knows what he's talking about in real life stuff. He knows about like fishing. He knows about careers. He knows about just everyday ordinary relationships in life. So let's go on to verse 6. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. Whoa. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. We are blown away. I think I would have been tempted that moment and just say to Jesus right then, hey, Jesus, can we just go into business together? Here, here, here's a contract. You just sign up. You just come once a week, just show up, say the word, and, you know, I'll give you half the profits. I mean, I would have gone there maybe, but, but Peter doesn't go there. He says, go away from me. Depart from me. Because I'm a sinful man. Something happened right here where he realized Jesus is not an ordinary man. I mean, he knew he was the son of God and he professed all that and everything. But he's learned at a much deeper level. He's not just religious Jesus. He's Lord of everything. He just did a miracle in my area of expertise. Even in fishing, he's Lord. There, there's sometimes we think that Jesus only understands kind of spiritual stuff. Jesus doesn't really understand nuclear physics. He, he doesn't really understand accounting. He doesn't understand, you know, relationships. Jesus understands everything. He made it all. He's creator of all. He's Lord of all. He just showed it to him. And he gave this miracle in an incredibly ordinary of, area of life. Let me show you how to cast nets. He had to show him that in the most ordinary ever life to get through to him that really I know everything. I'm Lord of all. Trust me with everything in your life. And what Peter's response is, is the exact same response that you get in the Old Testament. Anytime God shows up in a profound, very visible way, people are terrified. They're like, I'm falling apart here. I'm in the presence of God. I'm, I'm in the presence of the Almighty. I mean, he, he's not just a rabbi. He is Lord of all. And suddenly he feels dirty. It's like, wow, I'm not worthy to be in the presence of God. He feels crowded. He feels very, very sinful. Wow. And everybody there is astonished. Everyone. It says, they, there were, the word here is, uh, they, they were amazed. And the word amazement is kind of, it's kind of like amazed mixed in with some fear. It's like, oh, this is kind of scary too. And Jesus has impacted them in real life situation. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like seeing something in a, in a photo book or online or whatever, and it's like the Grand Canyon or something, and you've seen a lot of pictures of it, and then you actually go there in person, the Grand Canyon, and you go there in real life, and suddenly your jaw just drops because the photos do not do justice to this. You cannot capture on even a very large screen the majesty of it all. This is what happens to Peter. He, he's read about God. He's, he's kind of got these pictures in his mind of what God is like. And now it's happening in real life. And his jaw drops. And he suddenly feels like, I'm out of my league here. 
You ever been totally out of your league? I've told this before, but you know, guys, I remember years ago, um, I was a college student. We were, uh, I was in community softball league. Came home from college for the summer, joined a community softball league. And there was an A league and there was a B league. And we were wanting to be in the recreational B league. And so we signed up for the B league, but they ran out of room. So they, they said, would you mind if we just bumped you into the, the, the competitive league, the A league? And we said, sure, why not? I mean, we were in great shape, you know? And we were college kids. Anyway, we entered into the, into the league. And uh, one of our first games uh, was against the eventual state champions of the state of Indiana. I played shortstop, and I have never been so humiliated all, all my life. I mean, they were just rocketing balls out of, the, out of the ballpark. Home run after home run after home run. I mean, the first inning, it's like the whole, I think the whole uh, first guys up, first nine guys up hit home runs. It was just crazy. Uh, we eventually lost the game by a score of 42 to 3. These were not college kids. These were men. These were guys who were serious about softball. This wasn't a hobby for them. This was their lives. They played hard. They played to win. And we got destroyed. Guys, we weren't really that bad of a team. I think we would have done okay in the recreational league. But we went 0 and 16 in the competitive league. And we found out we are out of our league. That's what happened to Peter that day. He kind of had a feeling of what Jesus was like, and now he's finding out wow, this is just completely different than what I thought. So, what's the takeaways here, guys, so far? Is this about fishing in some guy's boat and Peter's, you know, poor. Fishing techniques? No. It's about life. It's about moving from normal life to amazing life. Jesus longs to show us his power and his greatness in everyday life. And I try to keep him, maybe you do too, in his kind of cloistered religious garb where he can just stay and be spiritual. He has no business in normal, ordinary decisions of life. Like, you know, what comes out of my mouth, how I treat people, how, what I buy, uh, how I, I just do daily living, about careers I choose. And he, I, I try to keep him kind of out of those things. And he just kind of comes into the ordinary bits of life and says, is that how you're going to talk to that person? Is that how you're going to spend your money? Is that how you're going to think about this? Is that how you're going to treat your neighbor? He has a whole different way to move us from normal to amazing. And what might we see and you see Jesus doing in your life and my life if we said to him, we've worked hard all night long. I've tried everything. But if you say so, I'll do it. And we actually began to take Jesus at his word when he says to us and calls us to do things. And we say, you know what? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's not what I would choose to do. But this is clearly what you've commanded me to do in your word. And I'll do it. I'll just be willing to do it. A lot of us will say, wow, uh, you know, we got a phrase. That'll never work. 
we hear many of the teachings of Jesus and we say, maybe not out loud, but in our minds, that'll never work. Perhaps he comes to you differently today. Jesus tells you to do something very simple sometimes, but it's a stretch for you. Maybe you're a doctor, a medical professional, and he's saying to you, pray for this patient before you treat them. Just pray for them. To a parent of a troubled teenager, maybe it's, he says, you know, maybe a gentle answer would turn away their anger. To somebody in a troubled marriage or in a troubled relationship, maybe it's time to forgive him as I have forgiven you, says Jesus. Or maybe it's time to say, to speak the truth in love. I don't know what it might be. To a mom who's frazzled, maybe he's saying, trust in me. Give that to me. Release that to me. To a business person who's seeking success, maybe he's saying, why don't you set aside the first fruits of all you earn and give that to me and trust me to bless you in the rest of your life. Maybe it's some unfulfilled longing you have in your heart and he's saying, seek me first and the kingdom and I'll add all those other things in your life. Maybe you're just seeking, seeking something more in your life and he's saying, trust me, delight yourself in me first and I'll give you the desires of your heart. And on and on it goes. He calls me, he calls you to trust him. Even sometimes against our own instincts and say, Master, I've worked hard all night long. But if you say so, I'll do what you say. And we could have a breakthrough. Simply to trust him and to obey him. That's what I'm talking about. To see him at work. To humbly recognize that he is the Lord. And for some of us to learn some new instincts. To not go with our gut. Or go with our other teachers who've been speaking into our minds. But actually trust what Jesus says and not what everyone else around us says. Peter was transformed that day. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He's seen him. Peter has seen Jesus for who he is. And he's humbled himself before him. And he's trusted in him. And when Jesus gets us to that point, he's ready to use us for something amazing. And this brings us to our last principle. Jesus transforms us just like he did Peter when we see him and we trust him and we follow him to fearlessly follow him on an amazing mission. He's going to take us into some new opportunities that we never dreamed of. He says to Peter then, don't be afraid. Peter was terrified. He said, don't be afraid. Jesus told Simon, from now on, you'll be catching people. <laughs> he called him to a new set of priorities. Don't fear, draw near. Far from departing from Peter like Peter wanted him to do, he reassures him, says, I got you, I love you. He, he realized, Peter did, that he was a sinner. It takes humility sometimes to question your own virtue and to say, well, maybe I got something to learn. 
maybe, maybe I have some growing to do. But once we get to that point and we're willing to listen and we can hear people speak into our lives and especially God speak into our lives and if we're willing to say, maybe I've got some growth to do, that's just where God wants us. And then he gives us this calling and promise of new priorities and new opportunities. For Peter, it says, from now on you'll be catching people. And yeah, Peter was the apostle and he's the head of the apostles and he had this amazing mission and became the leader of the church. I get all that. And nobody really had that calling. Uh, Peter alone, among, and even among the 12, he had a unique calling. So I get that. But yet at the same time, we're all called to join Jesus on mission. And he says, from now on, you're going to be catching people. Maybe we're not the head of the apostles. Okay. <laughs> but we can have an incredible spiritual influence. Uh, we could see and befriend people who are far from God and see God use us in new ways to influence our, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our communities, our schools, wherever we might be, and our world. And he's going to give us a widened, sense of, of calling and that is it's not just about your spiritual growth it's actually about your spiritual influence too I, I, I'm going to call you on mission I'm going to call you to do something more than just grow yourself spiritually but actually to help others and catch them for the kingdom follow me from now on you'll be catching people and look what it says in verse 11 they brought the boats to the land they left everything and they followed him. <laughs> wow. I mean, think what that just said. They left the greatest catch of all time. In their nets, they just walked away from the biggest money day they had ever experienced. Business was never better than that. And they abandoned it all. Their jobs, their livelihoods, their friends, their security, their pleasures, and all that was familiar to them. And they said, Jesus got something else for us. For Peter, his career as a fisherman was over. Sometimes God calls us, he doesn't call all to do that, but he does call, uh, call us to, to release whatever's in our hands, those nets that are in our hands that keep us from following him wholeheartedly. He says, drop those nets and follow me wholeheartedly to be a spiritual influencer. And Jesus, for Peter and for us, becomes priority one. And what we find is that what we gain in Jesus is far greater than anything we ever sacrifice, anything we ever drop at our feet. It was the best decision of their lives. So guys, as we begin a new year, I want to invite you to move from going from normal and, and longing to get back to normal, to change it up a little bit and say, why not? forward to amazing. Can you pray with me? Father in heaven, right now, this incredible story of Jesus, no longer the baby in Bethlehem, he is Jesus of Nazareth, Lord of all. And I pray as we look into 2022 that we would draw near to you, that we would maybe with fresh eyes and fresh ears, hear your words speaking to us and touch every heart that hears this message. You've got something to say to them today. And for us to be willing to trust you, I pray, in the ordinary things of life, 
maybe even in our areas of expertise that I think I already know, you want us to teach us something new. And you want us to give us new priorities. You want to transform our character. And also, Lord, you want us to be spiritual influencers. I pray for every person who hears this message that they will embrace not normal, but beyond normal to amazing. And everybody agreed and said, amen. God bless you all and have a very happy and amazing new year.